Yes, hello, I am James Rodens, and today it's the WNR 310. It's the Clash of Champions 2020. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by a very special guest co-host at Jack's Scarlet. How are you doing? Hi there. Good, thanks, and you? Yeah, all good, all good. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, really looking forward to Clash of Champions. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yep, well, thank you for having me on the show. Um, yeah, I'm at Jaxi Scarlet, and I'm a co-host for O-Face um, Wrestling Podcast, um, and that's at O-Face Wrestling as well, um, in case you guys want to check us out. Yeah, and of course, check them out. They do some great content there. We're going to talk about Clash of Champions, so let's start the show. Yeah. What was your excitement levels leading into this event before we actually talk about anything? Were you excited? Because I think the paper you came along so soon, it seemed like there wasn't a lot of build. Um, I think personally, um, I, w- I was more, I was less excited, more anxious because, I mean, shortly before they uh, the pay-per-view started, we'd heard of certain rumours of ma- uh, matches being cancelled. So um, we didn't get to hear much on on which ones were cancelled really until last minute. So it was more kind of nervous, really. <laughs> yeah, I think I feel like that with W Papers, hopefully, um, you know, as in what they can deliver. But we did have that break of news that we get on. What better way to kick off then with kickoff? And on the panel, we had Charlie Crusoe, JBL, Booker and Pete Rosenberg. And like I said, breaking news to start. W announced Nia Jax back across. Won't wrestle at Clash of Champions on Sunday after failing to receive the necessary medical clearance. And of course, we saw the, the women's tag team titles weren't on the line, but Bailey was going to address it later on in the night. To be honest, I think the first and foremost uh, thought, overall thought, was to just make sure that all of the wrestlers that had been announced for their matches to be cancelled as long as they were OK. I mean, um, that's that's sort of the main priority there is health number one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, when it came to sort of uh, Bailey to announce stuff, I was really it really piqued my interest because I, I just thought to myself they they've got to be working something very last minute um, in terms of storyline, um, but they're they're still itching to put her on the show, so there's got to be something there to kind of see what what she was going to be coming and announcing. Yeah, I've, I've Bailey at the moment she's hitting I say she's hitting her stride. She's been knocking out the park for the past year or so now it seems, especially the new character. Yeah. Uh will be interested. Well back on the kickoff we had Nakamura and Cesaro having a champagne celebration. We saw MVP interview. The only colour that he's interested in is green. Our truth made an appearance and we saw Gaza and Andrade in matching suits. And then we had the SmackDown tag team titles is our first match. What are your thoughts on the SmackDown tag team division and maybe just tag team in WWE in general at this moment in time? I mean, personally, I, I feel like it's diminishing um, rapidly um, by the week. They, WWE don't seem to know whether or not they want their tag teams to be sticking together or splitting up. I mean, we've sort of seen um, hints of it towards Lucha's party that they were going to break them up. Um, they've, they've kind of not been doing so well on the raw side of tag teams either. It, it does make you wonder whether or not they're going to look at unifying the belts at some point, because I don't feel like there's a strong amount of tag teams on either roster to be filling up this sort of... Um, time um in terms of getting some decent feuds going because i i like the lucha house party but i don't necessarily feel like we needed to see them versus nakamura and and cesaro again that being said it was a a pretty decent match on the kickoff show 
Yeah, without a doubt. So let's get on to the match highlights. We had Cesaro starting off with uh, Lince Dorado. Kalisto made a hot tag, and with the help from Dorado, we were both able to send the men to the floor. Dorado helped Kalisto hit a tornado DDT on the floor before he took turns hitting Moonsault Cesaro, which looked beautiful. Like I said, the, the action yeah. in this match was on point. You know, Lucha House Party, yeah, they've been going towards a split recently, uh, but what they can do is fantastic. And Nakamura and Cesaro as well. It, it doesn't matter yeah. what they do with Cesaro. They put him in any team and it just seems to work, you know? He really stands out. And I, I think, you know, at some point I am itching for him to have uh, finally get that singles run that he so deserves because he really does shine in the tag team division. And, you know, um, he did a beautiful swing um, with, I think, I can't remember which one it was, maybe Callisto, where he just swung him right into Nakamura's knee. Um, and that was a really, um, really beautiful sort of transition there. Yeah, well, like I said, Nakamura attacked Dorado and suplexed him over the barricade. This allowed the champions to team up with Kalisto. Cesaro swung him into Nakamura's Kinshasa to get the pin. Again, yeah, the finisher, that... but it did look dangerous because Nakamura wasn't sure at what point to go. <laughs> yeah, I think you could see the, hesi- the hesitation there, but that's always a good thing because at least you know that there, it's not like he's looking to do damage or really hurt that person that way. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's be actually kind of make it out, made it out okay, and Kalisto's okay. Yeah. Again, thoughts on the match. I mean, Lucha House Party, they're great individuals, but it's kind of mm. ran its course now. Can Kalisto actually work as a heel? I think that's an interesting thing to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you said previously as well, uh, Lucha House Party have proven how um, amazing they are in the ring, and I think personally, um, with the way that things have been going between them, I, I could see a feud happening where even having a triple threat between all three of them and I think that that would be a magic match um so hopefully um going forward they might get a little bit more time to to do some more storytelling and story building with them as individuals as well as a group yeah I think without a shadow of a doubt and yes they dropped the ball with Nakamura but he looked great and the team of Cesare is getting better and better uh, I really enjoyed the match it went about 10 minutes and not once though did it sag in any parts I thought it was a great way to kind of kick off the show yeah, a really exciting way. Okay, so we're gonna do we're gonna score them the matches kind of out of five. I gave that uh, a three and three quarters out of five because yes, it wasn't maybe a top top match, but I think for what it gave mm. was was perfect. Yeah, I'd give it a three on that one myself. And uh, we did a poll as well on the WNR podcast, and Naka and Cesare had eighty seven percent, which is probably no oh. surprise. Hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Prediction-wise, I went for Naka and Cesaro as well. We started the pay-per-view properly. We had a nice intro video narrated by John Cena. I find it a bit weird like when you see like John Cena, 16-time champion, and I'm going, yeah, he's not around anymore, is he? You know, like, I was, I was kind of used to he's it. Still yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, with Cena, it's one of these uh, that we saw maybe the rock of you know having so much success now and still you know he is a, a company man so i suppose when WWE need him for saying he will come back and help them out you know yeah i think it's also it goes to show and prove what john cena said all those years ago that um wwe and wrestling is his home and that he doesn't forget so it's kind of nice to see him come back every now and again even if it's not for anything more than a promo yeah, but again, it started to paper you off well. The set looked uh, sleek enough. And the first match on the main show was Jeff Hardy versus AJ Styles. 
versus Sami Zayn for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, how we got here? Well, Sami Zayn was the Intercontinental Champion until he had to relinquish. AJ Styles had won from Brian in a match of the year candidate. And then Jeff Hardy shocked AJ on SmackDown and led to Sami Zayn returning to claim what was rightfully his. We're going to go to match highlights in a minute. But you know when there's a match, you think there's three individuals involved who can put on an absolute kind of show stealer. And and recently with WWE, it's kind of not gone through. You know, like we've seen it with AJ when he was yeah. WWE champion. Just it never lived up to the hype, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I understand. Whereas this I match. Think, <laughs> yeah, this match was a, a completely unexpected, if I'm truly honest. Um I mean, especially with what, given what we got on Friday Night SmackDown, um, I kind of, I didn't presume that it would be the same, considering it, it this was a ladder match. But I mean, the creativity on this match was just on point, and you couldn't have had three better wrestlers knowing what they're doing and just kind of completely trusting one another, um, throwing all these ladders and and doing god knows what it was it was a really entertaining match and you know one that you couldn't really look away from yeah exactly and it, it like flew by i mean harley took a rough spill to the floor when zane tipped over the ladder he was on and it looked like the ladder was trying to eat uh jeff hardy on its way down um they <laughs> it then really did it <laughs> yeah it was just like i'm gonna get you and then they had the, uh, the ladder to make a bridge between the ring and announce table and stoles just nonchalantly jumps on the hits the kind of moonsault with a ddt and it just i mean aj of course everybody you know how athletic he is but he just makes it look so easy as well you know he does he does i think one of the highlights for me was um having i think uh AJ, i think sammy threw the little set of ladders at aj, to get uh, I mean, I mean, AJ yeah well like i said hardy put zane on the bridge and climbed up on a different ladder he hit a swan to, i mean how is jeff hardy still hitting these Swanton that took out Zane yeah. and broke the ladder. Uh, Styles was all yeah. alone and set up another ladder in the ring. And then Hardy managed to come up. And like you said, and then I think it was AJ throwing a little ladder at, at Zane. And the camera shot they did first off was perfect. And then they ruined it a little bit by seeing it didn't connect as much. But, you, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was, um, you know, sort of a, a real laughable moment in there. I, I don't feel like they needed to have done that quick camera change. Um, because of the, first, the the way they had caught it had just uh, done so well. Exactly. It was like 3D, wasn't it, really? And um, and then what I thought was really clever, because, of course, you had all the kind of the hard bumps and, you know, what we kind of expect from ladder ladder matches. Mm. And then rather than the kind of traditional ending, we had Sami Zayn using a pair of handcuffs to attach Hardy's ear to a ladder, which, again, <laughs> is just crazy. <laughs> yeah. It really is. I mean, I, I've got to tell you that for me was the most I, I couldn't tell you how much I was cringing mm-hmm. watching that that moment just because of I could couldn't stop thinking about the weight and the pull on Jeff's ear. And, you know, this man is in his 40s and he just went and topped his infamous TLC Swanton bomb off a ladder and just redone this to Sammy. And now is walking around still trying to be part of the match with a ladder attached to his ear. And, and this is the thing, if it goes wrong, then that ladder is taken yeah. out off the ear. <laughs> exactly. And um, I can't tell you to this day now, even the thought of it just makes my f- my fingers curl so much. Well, he used the handcuffs again, Sami Zayn did, uh, on Styles. And again, I thought that was a, a lovely moment where, you know, Styles is quite cocky and then Zayn saying, no, if, if you're 
you know, if you can't go up, I, you know, if I can't go up, you can't go up and handcuffing him to AJ. Again, I, I yeah. thought, the, you know, the handcuff with Hardy was enough for me. And then I thought, oh, hang on a minute, they're doing it again. Um, and I think it worked really well in terms of the, the sheer shock in AJ's face at not realising he'd managed to connect him to I that. Thought, yeah, I thought, um, why do you hit the suplex? Yeah, it was really, it was really well done, I think, and I, I, I felt like both AJ and Sammy worked so well together. Honestly, it was, you know, a lot of times we see Harley dragging the ladder back in the ring by his ear, and Styles trying to climb with Zayn on his shoulders, and then you see Zayn spitting out the, uh, the key, uh, attaches Styles to the ladder, and becoming the Intercontinental Champion, getting both belts. I mean, what? a match it was when we talk about what we thought of it. Like we said, the bumps these guys were taking were sick. I even forgot about the Sami Zayn one. I think AJ Irish whipped him and Zayn bounced around in that turnbuckle on the ladder and then come off oh, again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did that too. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was just, it's actually crazy at how much all three of these men put them put their bodies through. I mean, you know, fair play to Jeff for keeping up with both Sammy and AJ in terms of like, you know, his age. Um both him and his brother are proving that they're just continuously uh, you know, de- over defying the odds and actually just still being very entertaining. I just also hope that, you know, he's not broken too many bones in in this run. That's not to say with with Jeff it is incredible what he can still do. I felt for me the old Sami Zayn was back. The, the Sami Zayn we saw in NXT with uh, just delivering fantastic matches. It felt like old Sami Zayn, you know. There was a real atmosphere as well to the match, um, you know, and we can see the damage it's done. You know, it's sort of annoys when people go, oh, the ladder match can't hurt that much. Look at the welts on Sami Zayn's back. Look at the punishment Jeff Hardy took. Look at what AJ had to go through, you know? I don't, I don't think anyone can um can really watch that and say that any of that was faked or it it doesn't hurt because I think everyone felt those those bumps each of those men took. And, and again, like you said, it's incredible because it's one of these matches, I mean, very rarely in WWE event do I watch a match and go, and then the next day and say to myself, I want to watch it again. But that was definitely one that I was going, right, mm-hmm. I need to check this out because... Was it as good as I thought it was? And like I said, everything they did in it was, it was an incredible way to start the show, you know? It really was. And it's definitely a match again that I would watch again. Yeah, I think without that, much like the first match, the momentum never dropped. Uh, and I think for Zayn, this is probably the best he's looked on the, even on the main roster as well, because he showed intelligence. And as a heel, to show intelligence, to kind of come away with victory, even maybe not in the cleanest of ways, but it was a game plan and it just pays off with Sami Zayn as well, you know? Definitely. And it certainly paid off in the long run for him because, I, I mean, you know, he came back to um, uh, SmackDown with, uh, you know, the idea in mind that he never relinquished the title, that he never lost it, that he was uh, still rightfully the uh, the champion. So um, they could have really ruined his character uh, there and then by kind of having him lose but by having him win it just kind of really solidified that he was the champion before so I think it, it's really done well to for his character building yeah and how many how many hills don't get treated right in in WWE or you know and to have that moment like I said he can he can bask in that now and he can talk about it for however long he can uh, and it helps out with the character development you know um yeah. Prediction-wise, uh, for the poll, Jeff Hardy got 45%, Sami Zayn was 31%, Styles was 24%. Uh, WNR went Jeff Hardy just because Zayn had won on SmackDown. 
and I, yeah. you know what I mean? When that happens, you're thinking, oh, they ruined it. And then I think they did that just to get us, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, do you know what? I really agree with that because if I, I would have had to have agreed with your choice on the poll. I would have said Jeff Hardy before watching this match myself. So um, I definitely didn't see this coming with the change in, in champion. But um, also, I think it was a really good decision on, on WWE's behalf. Yeah, I think it was a really pleasant surprise and, like I said, a fantastic match. Uh, we then went backstage and Gulak rolled up our truth to win the 24-7 title and it was little Jimmy's fault. And then our next match was Oscar versus Zelina Vega for the Raw Women's Championship. How did we get here? Well, Oscar had been challenged by Mickey James and Raw and unfortunately had a weird finish. But Vega came out after to offer a challenge and defeated Mickey in a number one contendership match. Uh, would you have rather seen Mickey James at this point or Zelina Vega because obviously you've got the veteran versus the kind of so-called newcomer and they had that botch and raw a couple of weeks ago would it be yeah. better to have the match so I, I mean I think that I I do look at things differently I've, I've read a lot of different opinions about this on Twitter and I absolutely love Zelina Vega I think Oscar is probably my number one but Zelina Vega is an amazing manager she's been doing so well and carrying a lot of uh, the story that's been happening on Raw however I'm not necessarily sure I would have thrown her into a, a WWE title picture just yet. I think it was really soon after her just kind of coming out and making that statement uh, not too long ago um, that she wanted to come for the title. I think that she needed they need to be working a lot more on her. Um, so personally for me, I felt that especially with the botch uh roll up with Mickey before, um, I feel like Mickey deserved another chance to actually go. Um, for the title at Clash of Champions, so I do think she should have been the one. But I do, I did actually enjoy the match. I really enjoyed it. I liked how strong they they made Oscar come come across, but also Zelina wasn't backing down. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit torn between both because I think overall it was still a good match, but I feel gutted for Mickey. Yeah, no, I I, I do as well. Like I said, Zelina Vega to have to step up to the like I said in my opinion as well, the best woman on the roster is, is a hell of a challenge. But I mean, she, she went for it in the match, worked on the arm, uh, had the arm bar in on, on Oscar. Um, we, Oscar locks, you managed to get out of it a couple of times as well. We had a couple of near I falls. I, I really enjoyed um, Zelina's use of her, of her size, because I think that really helped her when trying to counter moves like the Oscar lock, which you do see um, when she, you know, puts it on taller women or bigger women. Um, you can see that there's no way for them to escape. So having Zelina use uh, her, her size as an asset in that front was a, was a really good way to sort of make Oscar you know sort of chase it more yeah and and this is what you need as well you need obviously you want your strong champion but you need your challenges looking like they're going to cause a bit of a threat and i think vega showed it in this one i think the oscar lock me personally is is a fantastic move it look wise yeah. and what it can do but i just feel maybe there needs to be a little bit more planning because we saw obviously what happened with mickey james and with vega yeah. the referee needs to know when it's actually applied and in position you know yeah, I do. I do think that I'm not sure whether or not this is a referee thing or not, but they do need to sort of like start cleaning that up a little bit because there have been some real sloppy sort of finishes because either the 
the ref was under the impression that it was sort of ending this way or they're not getting the right message across. But um, yeah, I definitely think that the Oscar lock is probably one of the more devastating moves that, that are, are, is coming out of the women's roster alongside, you know, Shayna Baszler and her sort of crippling move as well. So yeah. Oscar's really one to be sort of like keeping an eye out. So Zelina did really well with thinking of ways to counter devastating move. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, like I said, Oscar got the victory with the Oscar lock. Uh, but Oscar is so consistently good. She doesn't sometimes have the hottest of storylines, but because yeah. WWE will say we, we don't need to give her that bigger storyline because she's going to deliver on anything given mm. to her. Exactly. And I think, to be honest, I really did enjoy the sort of little fake out at the end with, you know, Zelina acting like she was going to be respectful and bow to her. Um, and then she's just, you know, she's just really bitter after. I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, that means we're going to get rematches hopefully after the rematch that we got on monday night raw the day after they will be just sort of focusing on building lena up now because i think that that's sort of her character she's got that shadiness to her so i really do like you know the idea of her one day potentially winning the belt via cheating now whether that be on off of oscar or someone else i'm not sure but um i don't feel like they need to keep on solely putting it uh, putting her against Oscar there are other women um cough cough Bianca Belair that they're not doing much with that they could really start putting into the picture as well they just got they need to start utilizing uh, the use of their women more yeah I completely agree and I think we saw that later on the show as well as for the match like we said it told the story of the challenger being on the champs level working the arm but the champion uh, going back to what brought her to the top and that's basically what Oscar does another thing I really liked about it as well was Oscar with the kind of promo to Zelina saying you know in broken English I respect you and you'd be you know quite fair and I, and I thought it seemed a bit not childlike and then as soon as Vega disrespected Oscar and then Oscar got the microphone and hit, uh, did a Japanese promo I was like maybe yeah. that's what you need just let her do it in Japanese because I didn't yeah. understand a word of it but I knew she was angry you know this is what we need as well, though, because, I mean, following up from what you're saying, when we saw them on Raw for just before their rematch happened, you know, uh, Zelina even got fed up and started shouting at her in her own language. And the rawness that you got of them both just shouting at each other in their own languages worked so much more better. And I didn't even need to know what they were saying. Yeah. So I think sometimes you just got to let them go with it and you could probably create beauty from that. Yeah, I think without a doubt. Uh, well, we didn't do the actually we didn't do the Intercontinental Title match out of five. Um, I'm giving it a five out of five for the for the IC title. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give that a five out of five as well for that. Um, that one was uh one of the highlights of uh the whole pay per view for me. As for the Oscars Lena Vega match, I'm gonna give it a three and three quarters out of five again. It wasn't uh like I said the the the, the best match ever, but it I love it mm-hmm. when a match can just tell a story. You know what's going on and they can just move on and be like, right, this is why it's here for rather than the match just being put for no reason, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'll put three and a half um, or three point five, however you're you're sort of uh, rating it. But um, I mean, for me, I think it was a really good way of sort of introducing Zelina um, in a way that of the wrestling sort of ring rather than her being on the outside and I think she really did prove to a lot of people who were probably questioning whether she can wrestle um but it would just be nice to see her progress now throughout the upcoming weeks I think without doubt uh poll wise uh 80% went for Oscar on that one Mm. not really much of a surprise of course 
Our next match is Bobby Lashley versus Apollo Crews for the US Championship. How we got here? Well, Crews has had a never-ending feud with the Hurt Business, but since losing the US title at payback, things have got worse as his mate Cedric turned his back on him for MVP's stable. I thought it was a bit weird Cedric Alexander wasn't actually there. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure whether or not that, again, is to do with the current pandemic or anything like that, but it, it was a little bit confusing because of uh, the commentary team were were discussing him quite a lot and how his sort of move to the Hurt Business has affected Apollo. But then like not having him there and having the rest of the Hurt Business out there, it was a bit confusing. I thought at least Cedric might cost Apollo to kind of continue the story. But, I mean, I talk about highlights of the match. Every time Cruz tried to make a comeback, it seemed like his driver had an answer for him. The former champion began to build up head of steam and not Lashley out the ring with a stiff elbow stroke. A huge superplex for a close two count. After a few more exchanges, the champion applied to Hurt Lock for the submission victory in basically a really clean finish as well. It was. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, what are they calling it now? I swear they changed um, the, the his his finishing name again. It was like the Bobby Lock or the Lashley Lock, and now it's something else. So once it's going to be called the. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what the finisher is, but it is a really devastating move, uh, to be honest. So he had no choice but to tap out there. Um, I really do hope that this is sort of the end of an era type thing in terms of Apollo going up against the Hurt Business. It's really confusing with the fact they've got the Hurt Business going on with the storyline with Retribution at the moment, but they're still sort of using unfinished business with Apollo Crews. So maybe I'm hoping that even if um they do keep involving him, it will be more just with Cedric Alexander rather than the rest of the Hurt Business. Yeah, I think the Hurt Business needs to kind of, like you said, move on from it now. Uh, should the US title feel like a filler match? Because I felt out of all that, you know, we'd just seen compared to the Intercontinental title match, you know, mm. having the way it delivered so much. And then the US title just put there is a match we've seen before. And it just felt, mm. oh, this will, this will fill 10 minutes of pay-per-view time, you know? I totally agree. Yeah, I think that um, especially with the title now on Bobby, uh, they can do so much more with it. But again, it is that never ending um, rematch that we are getting with Apollo Crews that probably did end up making it feel more filler. And that is because we've predominantly seen them have these title matches on the, um, you know, sort of main roster um each week so it's not like we have to have uh, a pay-per-view event when we've seen him versus MVP him versus Shelton Benjamin him versus Bobby Lashley on a weekly basis on Raw so I think that they really do need to kind of like have this story done now so that they can start looking to um, make the US title a bigger deal it's now on someone as big as Bobby Lashley and we all know how um, beast mode he can go Um, so I think that they can really help he can really help elevate the title again um just not with the same people move on to yeah. different opponents <laughs> or not t-bar you know some someone else yeah. that maybe yeah. can deliver can better we, matches we, we uh, but, um, have the the uh, u.s title go on to retribution please let's not do that yeah. <laughs> but cruz is a pure athlete and the two guys who have faced each other many times i felt the chemistry was a bit off in this matchup mm-hmm. as well uh but what's next for Cruz after losing clean does he go back to does he start well he's already got a tag team with ricochet i suppose do we do we want to see that uh i've been talking about the past couple of months for a hill turn for Cruz, but 
after we've seen it with no, Cedric. I, 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 that, I see, I see a roster change. I see a roster change happening for him. Like he's kind of done with the hurt business. I think that they need to kind of get him away from sort of like the thought of a tag team um, with Ricochet. And I think that he could do with sort of a fresh sort of storyline and a reset for himself. So even if he did want to go all heel, like you said, maybe move him to a different roster and then have him come back sort of more like Bobby Lashley 2.0, you know? I agree. Uh, out of five, I'm going to give that a three out of five. Yes, bog standard match. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna give it a two point five. I, I wasn't, uh, as you said, it felt really filler for me, um, and I felt like I'd just seen it one too many times. Uh, prediction wise for the poll, Lashley got eighty one percent, and we went Bobby Lashley with that one. Our next match was the Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza for the Raw Tag Team Championships. How we got here? Well, only Ziggler versus Kofi is a more used match than the Street Profits versus Gaza and Andrade. And this is the 345th match between the two teams. I don't know if you knew that. Um, highlights, Gaza and Ford tagged back in and ended on the top rope together. Luchador hit a Spanish fly. Andrade yanked Dorcas from the apron to front of tag. He tagged in and hit Ford with a running double knee for another near fall. Dorcas came in and hit Andrade with his finisher. Looked like Andrade might have kicked out, but the ref called for the bell. A replay clearly showed the ref botched the call, but they know now that it was an injury. Uh, what were your thoughts? So, I mean, my, my I wasn't very excited to be seeing this match. As, um, like I had said about the Bobby Lashley match, um, this match has been replayed so many times um, on Raw and we've just seen the same opponents o- over and over again. And I think the thing that really let this um, the momentum of this match down is the fact that they'd already teased and sort of pre-confirmed that Angel Garza and Andrade don't like each other and they sort of split them up. And then a week later, they were getting back together. So there was sort of no explanation during all of that time um, as to why they all of a sudden got back together the minute Zelina Vega left them. Um, So I definitely wasn't um, over excited to watch this match. And I think with the sloppy finish as well, um, it really just didn't help. And I completely understand that this came from an Angel Garza point of view, but the ref could have done so much more or they could have done so much more even as wrestlers to have a sort of clean finish with it still it didn't need to involve angel they could have just done it where they just had uh street profits team up on um andrade and just get a five star uh, a frog splash on him and just kind of end it there and then but i think that the ref just over panicked and just uh called it without i mean it makes us as the audience feel like wwe are treating us dumb because the way that he sort of called the three as if we all didn't see that it was a kick out it just kind of it also confirmed the momentum was lost between these two teams and if you're saying that that's right about that number of times they faced each other i don't need to see it i think i'm done with seeing these two teams for a while (laughs) yeah i think but incredibly street profits have been champions now well uh 210 days i think as champion the longest running raw tag team champions surprised because like i said the raw tag team division needs to be unified with a smackdown one because there's not enough teams that WWE care about and every team is seeming to split up sooner rather than later as well. And and WWE, you know, and I know what people are going to say about AEW with a tag team division. It doesn't need to be a tag match every match, but you need to have teams that are going to stick together week in, week out, yeah. rather than looking for the next singles run. 
Exactly. And it's like, you know, I, I do watch both programs and I don't like to sort of compare and contrast because they're all different wrestlers to me. Um, so I like to sort of kind of watch both brands because of that. But I mean, with when it comes to the tag team division with AEW, that there, there's scope to build on all of them. Whereas with right now with WWE, their priority hasn't been the tag team division. So there is no no storylines coming from any tag teams and there's no development there's no character development storyline development and this is one thing that wwe need to focus on more now because this they are very much slacking in this front and i think unifying the belts are probably going to be the only way that they really can um focus on their tag team division and start bringing it back up to where it used to be no, I completely agree. And, and this is what we're, we're seeing with it as well. Whereas it's not OK to be a tag team. You know, you've got two individuals who kind of, you know, either an oddball tag team or they start wearing matching outfits and then, you know, uh, this kind of stuff. What is wrong with being a tag team? They're being one tag team tiles. And look, you look at the greatest tag teams that we've had in the history. It was all about them being a team together, especially, you know, with um, Animal, you know, losing Animal uh, last week. We talked about like the Road Warriors, Legion, Zoom. We, we never as single stars because they were a team and all they wanted to be was tag team champions. And it just seems we don't have that. Exactly. I mean, when you, even when you go back to the Attitude Era, you had your standard tag teams and then you had your single stars. And it, it there wasn't any need to break up those tag teams because they did what they needed to. Like the Dudley boys were amazing together um, and there was no need to split them up because of they... They did what they needed to do, and that's how good they were. If they were separate, they would have been probably they would have probably been seen less, if if you ask me. And this yeah. is the one thing about that happens with tag teams: they split them up, and then we stop seeing less of them. So when they do de- decide to get back together as a tag team, there's less hype behind them. Yeah, I completely agree. That problem at this moment that can be fixed, uh, you know, with time. But to mm. WWE, you know, will they give the time to it? It's, it's a bit of a shame. Match itself, uh, I'm going to give it, again, a three out of five just because um, it's uh, it, it could have been on Raw. It has been on Raw multiple times. So it really made no difference either way, you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll give that one the same as what I gave the US title, I think, at 2.5. I kind of, I really need to see it again. I mean, it was overall a good match, but it was one that I've definitely seen before and I don't need to be seeing it again. No, it was no worse than their previous encounters, but that's not really saying much, you know. Um, yeah, I think the sloppy finish from the the ref is the thing that kind of threw me off the most. I don't even think it was the wrestler's fault; it was more from the ref's point of view. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, poll predictions: uh, Street Profits was sixty six percent. We went to Street Profits as well with our predictions. We then found out the draft is coming October. Going to be on Raw on the twelfth. Uh, what are your thoughts on the draft? It is, it is something that is desperately needed, I feel, at the moment in time. Yeah, it really is. And, I, you know, I can't stress enough. If you're going to do this draft, stop bringing in the wild card rule. Stop. Just do just say which one they're going to be on. And that's it. But it's definitely exciting because, you know, I'm I'm hoping that we're going to get a few returners, um, which will be quite exciting for us to see who's returning and, you know, move into a different uh, show. But at the same time, I think this will be a really good reset for a certain few wrestlers that really do need that chance to sort of redeem themselves in, and have a reset. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not me knocking WWE because obviously we've been following on the podcast for five years. But the thing is, WWE is reliance on rematches, as we've seen in this pay-per-view as well with Cruz and uh, Lashley and, of course, Street Profits just then. They they seem to, and now with Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre, it's like well, yeah. one match, yeah, two matches, fine. Fr- we need a third match, you know. It's, yeah. Again, hopefully they can freshen it up. I mean, you, you can even um, say that before it got cancelled, you know, Nikki Cross versus Bailey, that was also a rematch. So it's kind of like, you know, these are rematches that we really don't need to be on a pay-per-view. You start fresh, you start new, you know. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Uh, then we saw Gulak celebrating backstage and he gets attacked and pinned by our truth and he's a champion again i i did tweet out i think a couple of weeks ago might have been on payback about saying to people that our truth is not just a comedy character the stuff he did in his early days uh was really good and in credit to our truth he actually retweeted it and said yeah definitely uh, so yeah. I, I know people see him as a comedy character but there is stuff he did especially in and no, uh, if, you, if you even look back at when he was just up with um road dog uh, he was uh, he, he definitely had a really good sort of tag run at one point and I, I must admit it's not more uh, it's not disappointment it's more like I feel sad that they don't do more with our truth um, and they just keep ultimately sort of putting this 24-7 title back on him because they think that that would be a good running commentary joke to be honest earlier on in I think was it the kickoff when Drew Gulak rolled him up and got the uh championship i thought you know what give it to drew for a bit like leave it on him and actually see what he can do with it he had a he's been having a really great run with daniel bryan daniel bryan's obviously now off but i feel like they just because of daniel bryan's been off like they've dropped the ball with drew gulak and he is a really underrated wrestler that i really really like and i think he's got so much more potential to do more which is why i was really disappointed that you know they didn't even give him the 24 title for a whole night they just had sort of sort of re-roll him back up again but even have a uh like like you said like a training you know have a training video of him uh with the 24 7 start when him speaking to it uh and i think with mm-hmm. gulak as well just touching on it there is a guy who can deliver can be funny comedy character he can be kind of serious and i don't think he gets the credit he deserves whether that would be because of you know the daniel bryan thing or if they just don't see mm-hmm. it yet but i think gulak yeah. is definitely someone who could do multiple things as well yeah Right, next match, and it is Bailey versus Nikki Cross, but that was cancelled. The role model had a huge smile on her face as she held a steel chair above her head while Pyro shot off behind her. She gloated about winning by forfeit and decided to issue an title. It appeared to be a disingenuous offer, but Oscar wasn't about to let her get away with it. So there you go, open challenge for any woman on the roster. It was Oscar. <laughs> so, I mean... I feel a bit biased because I am very much pro Oscar, so I'm never going to complain getting a chance to see Oscar get in the ring and do her thing. However, um, I didn't know. I I feel like this could have been a a great opportunity for an underused or underrepresented female just to kind of come out. I always knew that they wanted to bring um, Bailey in because they were clearly wanted to do something with Sasha after. Um, but I felt like they could have given someone else, um, you know, just sort of the opportunity that probably would never have randomly gotten the option or the choice to do so beforehand, you know? Um, they still have plenty of women out there that um, really can be featured and just even have them in a squash match with Bailey just to sort of fill the time. It's I think it would have done, done that other person good. 
and and even the continuing the attack and then having Banks coming out to stop it from happening. Like I said, there's no problems yeah. with, up with Oscar, but it just mm. felt you've got so many other kind of talented women that you're not using, you know, and it's it just seemed a yeah. little bit. Yeah, WWE, and I always try and defend WWE a little bit when they go, oh, you've relied just on the four horse women or just on these, and I go, oh, well, no, mm. you've got all these great talents, but sometimes they don't help themselves, so. No, they really don't. Like, I mean, to be honest, and and I'm I'm not the hugest fan when I even say this either, but I really enjoyed the little bit of work that they did between Bailey and Tamina, and I didn't really think that that was going to come up come out of anything. But they even could have just featured having her come out and say, "Do you know what? I'm going to give give myself another shot now that your best friend's not in your corner distracting me." You know, that would have done a, a lot of like sort of tying back into what happened a few uh, a few months ago on one of the other pay per views when Tamina faced off against her. You know, so they could have. I think they could have dealt with the creativity a bit better when it came to who they were going to have to pit Bailey against. But that being said, I'm never going to complain if I see Oscar versus Bailey because I I feel like those two create such chemistry in the ring and they're they're both such talented wrestlers. Um, they really carry each other well. Um, and yeah, I knew it was going to be sort of a, either a DQ or you know roll up pin that would have um sort of called it. Yeah, but I think the, the thing is, like, so uh, you know, and I, I keep saying this as well for anybody that will listen to me. I still think the women's division in itself, with the the characters that they got, are more defined than the male ones at some point. When you look at kind of how they treated, you know, Alistair Black or what does Kevin Owens stand for? You know, with Bailey, you know, with Banks, you know, with Oscar, you know, with a, a lot of women there, what they kind yeah. of they, they want to achieve. Like we talked about with Zelina Vega, mm. James, like a veteran trying to come back and achieve it. And I think you've got so many things here like they just don't. I don't think they realise sometimes, you know. And even like I said, even the match itself with um, during the match, and and you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, I'm actually going to get a Bailey Oscar proper match here. And it looked like Bailey was able to take control. Then Oscar with a German suplex on the floor, Bailey grabbed the chair and used it as a weapon to cause a DQ. And then as she celebrated, Sasha banks it from behind with a chair. Uh, what were your thoughts with Sasha Banks with the neck brace? Is it? Or did it look a little bit silly for her to be out there? Uh, I mean, to be honest, when I think it it's, it makes it feel less credible that someone in, injured that much with a neck brace would go out there and risk their neck um, to bring more injury out. So it does make it a bit questionable when, when she comes out wearing that. That being said, um, I could see the stubbornness of Sasha Banks um, and, and wanting to get um, her own on Nikki. I mean, as you can imagine, we all felt the upcoming tension throughout the past few months of Sasha wanting to be the one to turn on Bailey, but it turned out to be Bailey that started it first. So I feel the frustration coming from her and I felt quite excited seeing Sasha come out and want to, um, you know, want to, uh, get her own back on on um Bailey. She she had an excellent sort of cosplay of Aaliyah, um the singer Aaliyah from um when she sang the song Try Again, which is from the uh, movie Romeo Must Die. And it was kind of like it the the track is all about when when uh when life gets you down, when you've been beaten down hard on, you know, you need to pick yourself back up and try again. So I really felt the emotion coming from Sasha um as well as like just kind of feeling like the want or the need to get her revenge. Um, but I also felt like that neck brace didn't really do much 
selling selling the injury that Bailey gave to her. So it's a bit of a 50-50. It's a bit, a bit of both, isn't it? Because Bailey set up the chairs to take out Banks, but then she got attacked uh, with a kendo stick and chairs until the role model retreated. And I think what is really important about this is not just the attack by your face or Sasha Banks, it's how the hill sells it. And Bailey, when you see fear in the eyes and thinking, oh, well, I think I've pissed off the wrong person here, that's what yeah. you kind of want to see because you're like, yeah, you wait until she gets in the ring with you. you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can definitely feel uh, both women work so well together and you can feel sort of like the, the the tension there that is like the this has been building up for so long. Us fans can feel it. And even just from that little bit that we got between them in the ring there, we, we could feel... Uh, how much that everything's going to blow up as soon as oh. they are officially in a room together. Yeah. I mean, the showdown with Banks will be huge. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you think it should be inside Hell in a Cell? Or, I mean, WWE don't really have any long-term story. I mean, in a perfect world, it'd probably be WrestleMania, wouldn't it? But I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, where would you want to see it? I think, I think it would be great at Hell in a Cell, but I think that if you're going to do it at Hell in a Cell, you need to give us all what we want and them what they deserve and I think that needs to be main event um you know all of us uh fans have been itching for this feud to sort of like come to blow uh between Sasha and Bailey and I think it needs to be done right if they're going to do it at Hell in a Cell um however I also have a little there's a little bit of me that's um questioning whether or not they'll hold off and then have Sasha win the Royal Rumble instead to go to WrestleMania I hope they don't do that because I feel like that's just really waiting too long. And I think that they'll be doing a disservice to the storyline that is Sasha can't wait to get her hands on Bailey. Why are we going to wait for the next few months? You know? Yeah, no, I completely agree. You need a reason why they can't do it. And I always love the old fashioned way of um, even I think they did it with Triple H and Austin once and other people where you go, okay, you sign the contract, but you can't have any physical altercation up until the show. Mm -hmm. And then you can have so many, you know, different looks and attacking the people yeah. that they actually like, you know, can work really yeah. well. Um, See, this is what they no, do gone. need to bring back to um, to wrestling is sort of, you know, that intensity of, oh, OK, well, if you're going to have a match, you can touch that person until then. Because it brings so much more excitement, so much more creativity to what the characters can bring each week on the main roster. Yeah. And, and you're desperate for it in the end as well. You're like, come on, give it to us. Um Bailey now has been champion for over 394 days, which is an incredible feat. When Charlotte took some time off, and of course with Becky Lynch as well, people are hoping or wondering who would step up. And I think Banks and Bailey are the shining example uh, what they can do. And I mean, I started the podcast back in 2015 and won the first takeover with Banks and Bailey, and I fell in love with them at that point in time. I would love a match for that quality. Uh, on a W pay for now, I think it would blow everything else that we've seen out of the water, basically. And I think if there's going to be any two women that are going to do it, it's going to be those two that can really sort of like pick up that momentum and actually get people really invested and really behind it. So they're both really incredible in that way. And they've been doing, I mean, this whole female roster, they they have, like you said, have been relying a little bit too much on the the four horsewomen. But um. With, with Banks and, and Bailey, they both have had that really long history, as you said, even from NXT. And everyone's been itching for this to get to that final moment. So they really have to execute it well, but they can't uh, postpone it. Because I think if they try to postpone it past Hell in a Cell, they'll lose the momentum. Yeah. 
And this is the thing, and this is the problem with it. You've got to strike while the iron's hot in certain points yeah. as well. Uh, for the segment in itself, like, I mean, you can't really rank the match, but I think the segment, I'm going to give it a four out of five because it got me more excited for the potential showdown between the two. Uh, we saw Bailey with a little bit of fear in her eyes and Banks was ready to bring it as well. So, yeah, I've got to give it that. Yeah, I'd give it a four as well, because I, um, I am going to biasly say that, you know, you gave me two two different portions of Oscar in, in that pay-per-view. So I won't complain at that one for one moment. Our next match was the WWE titles, the ambulance match, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. Well, McIntyre became the very first ever British WWE champion at WrestleMania. Orton had his chance at SummerSlam. But the night after, punted him three times on Raw to continue. Along the way, he's been taking out legends left and right. That might play into what I'm saying. Uh, highlights, McIntyre took the lead early and cornered Orton for a series of kicks and punches. Leviva tried to fire back with a bigger McIntyre keeping him at bay. Orton was finally able to take him down and set up the punt. And then the big show appeared, grabbed his legs and choked standing through the table. Did I beat him that easily? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely wasn't expecting to see Big Show, for sure. Um, so it, it did kind of very openly surprise me to see him out there. Um, and it took me a while to realise that there's no disqualification because it's an ambulance match. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, Big Show's showing up, you're just like, all right, OK, is that it then? Or, oh, no, they're continuing, are they? And uh, they did continue. They, they continued to fight backstage when McIntyre was beating up Orton. And after Orton threw McIntyre into a wall, Christian uh, came out of nowhere to beat down the man who punted him early this year. I, I've got to say, I do love Christian, but I did feel mm. a little bit feel a little bit sorry for him, you know, having kind of just showing up in that way of like, oh, OK, is this what they're going to do for you? But credit to him, he's been called a legend now. And I think he's someone who definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame and maybe should have had yeah. more chance when he was an uh, active competitor, you know? I completely agree with you in that sense. Like, I think that when when he did become champion, I was actually a bit more gutted that we didn't get to see him and have a longer run when he was. Um, and I think when I saw him turn up at the pay per view, um, it it was a, it was a really nice surprise actually, because I, I it sounds really bad and I don't mean to say this with any disrespect, but I kind of forgot that he was taken out by Randy. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Kind of then see him get brought back in and then even turn back up on Raw again as well. I'm glad that they're still using him because as you rightly said, I think he definitely is Hall of Famer material. He's definitely a legend in my eyes. Um and I think it was uh he, he him being sort of seen as a stand in as well because of Edge has not sort of been around either. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. sort of seen that sort of uh, underlying storyline that Edge will at some point return. So I kind of like that he's still there, seen as that symbol as of that as well. Yeah, I should say as well. I mean, just off piece a little bit. That there's kind of three results in history in recent times when I've been watching that has really annoyed me. Like genuinely been annoyed by it. And that Christian losing to Randy Orton two days after winning the world title is one of them. Oscar yeah. Oscar losing to Charlotte at WrestleMania. I'm still not over it. And, yeah, no, you know, I need to <laughs> And I, uh, when CM Punk, the summer of Punk, losing to Triple H at uh, um, oh, yeah. Night of Champions. Well, there's three results. Because obviously I've been watching this for so many years and you think nothing's really going to annoy me. They that really got to me. <laughs> no, I have to agree with you on all of those points, actually. All three of those definitely all irked me as well. So you're not alone there. Good. Right. They fought back to the ambulance. This is where Orton slammed McIntyre's head in the windshield to shatter it. 
Um, and at that point, I was like, oh, is that a gimmicked uh, windscreen? But then I saw the cuts for McIntyre, and I started going, oh, may- maybe not. It's- yeah, yeah, it definitely looked painful. I mean, you could hear the impacts when he when he sort of touched onto the windscreen himself. It looked pretty painful. It didn't look good. And then as Orton stood up on top of the ambulance, looking confident, Shawn Michaels super kicked him out and pushed him off the ambulance to the floor. This worked better because obviously there was no one, you know, if, if it had showed up with an audience, you would have heard yeah. the pop before he'd got there. But they managed to do yeah. it with camera angles where you didn't really see it. Yeah, and I, I I pleasantly was surprised uh, by the Shawn Michaels one. Um, I I was more expecting Ric Flair at this point than I was Shawn Michaels. So, but I mean, I'm glad they didn't actually make Ric Flair climb up onto an ambulance. <laughs> but yeah, but the thing he would have got down. But my my thing with Shawn Michaels is every time I see him and he he super kicks on, I go, oh, let's have a Shawn Michaels Randy Orton match. I know we've seen it before, but let's have Michaels come back. And he's one of the very few kind of legendary wrestlers. Well, I, I look at him and go, yeah, you still got it. Go on. Go, go, just, you know, just he a couple really of matches. Does. He really does. I, I kind of wouldn't, wouldn't, I really wouldn't even mind having him as like a sort of general manager position. Um, just because I think he's brilliant on mic all the time and he's just, he creates great content. So, I mean, if they could somehow bring him back to the main roster, just even as a GM for a bit, I'd love it. Yeah, it'd be brilliant, you know. And then we saw uh, Randy Orton hitting an RKO. He rolled McIntyre in and closed the one door and he looked to go shut the other one. And I liked the, the McIntyre sticking his hand out. Uh, you know, if I was all this is maybe the end now, because there was so much talk about Randy winning the WWE Championship yeah. at this event, you know. Um, yeah, but, a lot of rumours about him potentially winning it here. It's, uh, sometimes it helps and it hurts it because you're expecting, you know, you hear from the, you know, dirt sheets, whatever you want to call them, and you think to yourself, oh, this is how they're going to go. And then sometimes you just kind of need to go with the story or the match and it'll kind of take you there anyway, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We saw McIntyre hit the Claymore, throwing Orton in, but brought him back out with his own punt kick before closing the doors to win the match. And as the ambulance drove off, it was the nature boy Ric Flair driving. Again, I was very worried about him driving an ambulance out of the arena, but luckily they I think they cut away before too long, before he actually like hit the, you know, yeah. side of the wall. All, uh, all I kept thinking to myself was that he was going to drive it straight into the wall, to be yeah, honest. exactly. Like, going to see a Flair bump on an ambulance or something like that. Like, you've never seen it yeah. before. I really enjoyed this match, but I will make one point, because Drew McIntyre has been champion now. I think this is his sixth pay-per-view as champion, and he hasn't main evented a single show. Does that take away from McIntyre not main eventing a pay-per-view, or is it just the way things are at the moment? Do you know what? I don't think it hurts him, but what I do think it is doing is potentially hurting the belt in terms of the importance of the belt and like how important it is seen among the rest of the wrestlers because it's not being treated as sort of main event material. Um, but I also am not sure as to whether or not that is because if you could, if you look at the um, recent string of opponents that Drew has had, um, it's sort of, um, it's always been let down because you've had continued matches before the, the pay-per-view between them. So it feels like it's less, big of a deal to put as the main event and so this is what they need to stop doing if they're going to keep building feuds with Drew they need to make sure as you said in previous matches that they don't touch each other or have matches meaningless matches on the main event uh, main rosters before the pay-per-view because it just by the time it gets to the pay-per-view you're not 
you, you feel like you've really seen it about three or four times. <laughs> well, it's interesting, like, because um, CM Punk as well was saying, you know, during his reign of a year, he was he was facing Daniel Bryan in classic matches, and it was John Cena versus John Laurinaitis main event in. Uh, I, I know McIntyre probably won't think that at this moment in time, but you've got to see, you know, especially with SummerSlam with, it was going to be the main event, and of course Roman Reigns returning and and changing everything up. There is no doubt, yeah. you know, Roman Reigns is the guy, is the yeah. champion, uh, and with McIntyre, you know, they're trying to make him. Um, and I think that Drew definitely has like the ability to be able to main event well. Um, again, I just think maybe it, it does boil down to the type of storyline that is happening with with the title at the time, and sort of uh you know, sort of what, what they're doing with Drew um, is dependent on whether or not to put him in the main event. I mean, we don't really, we didn't really need um, Drew McIntyre and Randy were in main eventing at the, at the end. Um, but again, like, I think that with the right person, with the right opponent, uh, Drew definitely could hold off on an, an main event and it would be a really decent match. Well, it's it be interesting to see what happens at Hell in a Cell, you know, between Orton and McIntyre, because I think at Survivor Series, seeing a Reigns and McIntyre match, because obviously they face each other at WrestleMania, with a with a yeah. face McIntyre versus the Hill Reigns, I think that could be, a you know, talk about a barn burner between the two, uh, whether mm-hmm. they go that way or not. Like I said, with McIntyre, it's it doesn't have to be that kind of baby face. He's got a lot of... Uh, different things he can do I was a little bit surprised that he came out as champion even though I did go for him but Mm. I was was trying to think did McIntyre how weak did McIntyre look did he you know with the the legends getting involved did he did he need that yeah this is the one issue that I did have because I said that really makes him look like he needed their help though and that was the only thing I took away from the match that I did question. I think that both Randy and Drew did really well in that match, but I did point out, like, you know, look how long it took Drew to fin- finish that match after having four legends help yes. or three legends help. Um, so it's like, how how well are we supposed to say Drew won that match? Yeah, uh, I think that's what when he used. Um, I will say something about their entrances. I've always had a problem with Randy Orton's entrance of how long it takes, and I think both of their entrances. Yeah were longer than the women's matches that we had on the card. Don't get me wrong, it's, you know, it's it's entertaining. Well, I don't understand but... why Randy needs a long entrance. Oh, like he, his, he, he doesn't do much <laughs> on his entrance. He just takes ages on purpose. And I think it's, um, to be honest, I I don't really need the long entrances. They're not The Undertaker. There isn't yeah. that audience we don't you don't have that audience out there to to feed off of it so there is no point on having such long eccentric uh entrances anymore they should right. probably let those down we'll just say to randy look hurry up mate get in the ring and all we want is you to stick your arms up in a corner you know like we, we don't need you taking 20 minutes to get down here um exactly. one thing... Sorry, go on. no i was just agreeing with you i don't think we need that either no uh one thing i did like about it was that the match was completely different to because a lot of people complained at SummerSlam saying, oh, he didn't hit any RKOs, he didn't hit any Claymore kicks, but it was a pure wrestling match, whereas this one was completely different. There was hardly any wrestling whatsoever, which I thought was kind of good, put them side by side, you know? There was quite a few cheap shots that I think worked really well for sort of, you know, giving that shock factor that they probably wanted to create, um, considering all the audience I would um, like watching and spectating from home. Yeah. Uh, like I said, 
the windscreen looked really good. The cool stunt when he Claymore kicked the door off the ambulance as well. And mm. um, I thought Drew might be trying to take the award from Sami Zayn for most punishment taken in a match as well with the windscreen. Um, but we, I, I had to hear what's next for Orton. I think we know what's next for him. What will a draft do? Um, again, it all depends on Hell in a Cell now, doesn't it, really? What happens there to where they end up, whereas Orton goes to SmackDown or McIntyre? Um, I'm not really sure at this moment in time. What would you like to happen now with McIntyre and Orton? Do you think they should just go their completely separate ways, or uh, do you think yeah. they still be intertwined? I mean, I think they should go their separate ways. I don't know if this is me being a bit British bias coming out here, but I am not ready to see uh, Drew relinquish the title yet. I think that they could do potentially more with him, but just not with Randy. I would actually like to see... Um, I. I I wouldn't lie. I I really would like to see Randy versus Roman Reigns. I think that that could be a really good um sort of a storyline there. So I really wouldn't mind if Randy moved to SmackDown shortly um from from the draw uh, from the draft. But yeah. uh yeah, I'm not. If, if we are getting Drew versus Randy at Hell in a Cell, I kind of think that this needs to be it now, and Drew needs to really get some uh gripped into a, a real big storyline and um, with someone who can be really seen as a credible threat to his title yeah no i, I completely think that you i think you hit the nail on the head about mcintyre needing uh, a challenger there now to actually you know be or or, or to have uh, a proper challenger to his championship and not just a oh this is a cool story i know they've got a little bit of history here uh to actually have a guy going we don't know how this is going to end you know yeah, they kind of feel like filler storylines. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're waiting for the the big payoff uh, for the match itself. Uh, I'll give it a four and a quarter out of five because I thought the part McIntyre took and Orton took, I think, was uh, for me uh, better than especially Orton's match with Edge uh, WrestleMania. It went on for about two and a half hours, but I, I felt <laughs> McIntyre took a lot of punishment in this one, and it kind of sold how tough the match was as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd give it a four overall. I really did enjoy seeing the legends come out. Um, it probably would have been higher if they hadn't come out, though, just because if I would have felt like, you know, Drew had done this by himself and I felt like that probably would have been closure. But, um, yeah, I do because I do think there's going to be another rematch. Um, I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And just if they had just had a normal match without anybody getting involved and then the next night on Raw having the legends come in to cost Orton there, it felt more raw storyline than it did an actual pay-per-view, if you know yeah. what I mean, the legends. Uh, but still not a bad match. 73% of people went McIntyre, as did we. And the next match was the main event of the evening, WWE Universal title, Roman Reigns versus Jay Uso. And how did we get here? Well, Roman returned at SummerSlam after being out since Mania, but only took him one week to become Universal Champion. Jay Uso won a fatal four-way to become number one contender. And the history with the family has become part of who... Uh, who is the big dog of the family. Uh, I think WWE have struck gold with this storyline at this moment in time. Agreed. I think that um, I was very hesitant um, for this match um, just because they are a family and putting family against family, it doesn't always work uh, well or in their favour. But um, after seeing what both Jay and Roman were able to do in the ring, I think that it was pure gold, this storyline. I think we had that. I think even the kind of Rikishi getting involved and speaking about the bloodline and the mm. kind of you know the the pictures of them as kids and, you, and I thought to myself we've not had this storyline like this for for age. I know people are talking about Owen and Brett, but I was thinking 
Have we maybe Matt and Jeff, but not on that kind of level where it interconnects so well, you know? I think it really kind of bring an added interest because obviously people are going, Jay Uso, why is he? But when you look at the build-up, it, it pays off, I think, you know? It really does. And I think that uh, with with having, as you said, Rikishi and even, um, you know, uh, Roman's dad, both sort of talking about them growing up and how competitive they were. You can really feel that in the ring, especially when they both got in there and they first started fighting. Um, and I also think this really did well um, for to really showcase what Jay can do as a wrestler, um, not just being a twin. And I think there's probably a little bit of bias coming from me because I'm a twin myself. So I really hate it. And I really could resonate with him when he feels like, uh, when he said he felt like every time he wrestles, yeah. People are always asking, which one are you? So I really felt like we saw Jay um, in in that match. And it was a really great way of sort of seeing how tough he is, but also seeing the brutality of what Roman could do. Right. Uh, well, so the match highlights, so to speak, I'm just going to run through the whole match here because it was a story definitely told. Roman Reigns came out for this match without his trademark vest. The tribal chief was topless. Um, did you lose your mind as much as everybody else did on Twitter at this point? I mean, I kind of. I, mean, I, I definitely, I definitely saw that, and I was very, very impressed. I wasn't one of the ones that was going Twitter crazy with the Twitter ranting, um, but you know, um, I think it definitely helped make uh, it. It helped us make uh, feel like Roman was a bigger deal. It, yeah. I think just by simply removing something as small as the vest, which has been very iconic to Roman um, and his character for so many years, it really brought about the seriousness and how serious he is about this match. So it, you could really feel the intensity before he even got into the ring. I think without doubt, and it shows you, people go, oh, Roman's not a big star. Well, he, all he did was take his vest off. and So it shows okay. you how yeah. big a star he actually is. A uh, ref called for the bell and the cousins circled each other. Jay also said he didn't have to he didn't have to go down like this before they locked up. The big dog backed him to the corner and made a clean break but did not back away. He forced Uso to go around him to get back to the middle of the ring. Um he said he loved his cousin and he slammed his head into the announce table. I mean it's just all these little things. Even the say, saying to him, the ring's my island. Come and try and get in here. You know, it's it's simple and yet effective as well you know and i think i think um there's also that certain level of patronization that that came with this match um with this sort of the little words and the patronizing that roman was doing to jay that i don't think could necessarily go down well consistently in a match if it was just two random wrestlers but having because of there was that close-knit familiness you can really feel the sort of family feud there of who is alpha male and you can really feel like um even though Roman's supposed to be seen as this hill you could really tell that he just wanted to beat it into his cousin not just tell him who the tribal chief is like beat it into him you know yeah, yeah I, I think without a doubt and I think we see it here with you know Reigns every time it looked like Uso was going to get some momentum Reigns would knock him back down Jay then shoved Reigns into the ring posting himself an opportunity he closed on him out the ring hit suicide dive kicked the big dog out of the ring for a second suicide but then Roman Reigns hit the rough rider and I'm going oh okay you're taking moves off that rider now well that's fair enough you know each each to their own I suppose uh yeah. Uso, Uso hit a super fire splash but Reigns kicked out used his arm to hit a low blow this again 
was another bit of story. He kicked out after hitting the uh, the splash of the top, but it was low. And then the commentators going, oh, was it? Did he really mean to do that? Did he not? And it showed you the champion was a little bit worried at that point in time. Yeah. I think that everyone could also feel that from from Roman when he go when he goes in for the low blow as well. You could tell that there was like a slight hint, a slight panic there within Roman himself as to be like, how is he getting this far in this match? You know, you could tell that there was like a slight panic or hesitation in Roman at that point. Yeah, I think that that and then Reigns wanted to do so to call him his tribal chief when he refused to hit his cousin with a second spear. He refused to try to win. And Luther acknowledged him as his superior. He delivered a brutal beatdown. His community to demand respect. Jimmy Uso limped to the ring and said he wanted to throw in a towel for his brother. Jay told him not to. Reigns said all of this could be stopped if Jimmy acknowledged Reigns' position at the head of the table. Jay begged him not to. Reigns dragged Jay back in and kept beating him until Jimmy finally threw the towel. Uh, I mean, like I said, even the introduction told a story because you had the completely stoic champion uh, who was another day in the office and Jay had so many nerves and you thought you can tell this is his first opportunity with Reigns he's not even breaking a sweat you know yeah definitely and I, I must admit I think I got very emotional seeing sort of Jimmy come out and and want to stop this because if he can see that this has gone beyond just a just a, a title match this is uh, now more about dominance and, and wanting that sort of acceptance from from the 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 lower uh younger alphas you know to tell them who who the main alpha is and roman got that across you know and just seeing jimmy come out and not want to keep seeing his his twin brother be put through that i mean i can definitely say firsthand that i probably would have done the same made the same choice as jimmy um especially if i can't get involved or i'm causing a dq and i'm actually getting in the ring and beating on my cousin yeah (laughs) yeah like i said it was it was reigns's looks during it it was even like you're in over your head here son and i think what helped as well was to be able to hear exactly what was going on because you even had charles robinson you know telling roman reigns and saying hey don't do that and then reigns saying to Heyman, you better tell him now you tell the referee to do his job unless i'll get involved and you know and I just think, like I, I said, mean, with... that, that did make me laugh really hard because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that the ref really like just crapped himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that made me laugh quite a bit. But you can the story is just so simple. Could it made me want to get want? I know I didn't. I never thought I wanted Jey Uso to be you know Universal Champion, but I was desperate for him. I was like, come on, kid, you can get the comeback yeah. now. Um, yeah, yeah, I really wanted him, especially know. when he had that momentum sort of build up just towards the end. You thought to you thought to yourself, oh, maybe he can come back from this. Yeah. No. I was like, come on, Jay, and then hit the low blow. And I was like, damn it. But Roman I'm... looked great in every yeah. way. I was, I was going to say, if Superman was a heel, that's how he would act with Roman Reigns. Because that is just, he's got all the power. He knows how to use it. But he's just going to give a warning first and go, look, before you, you know, I'm... I'm giving you a chance here and then it's just a just a beating that was working there uh jimmy as you say coming down jay Heyman, and the referee played their roles to perfection in this they uh, kind of left speechless oh. towards the end you know like there wasn't much to be said after after he had uh, thrown in the towel um, I think that that was a really good piece of uh, story writing there. And I think um, both Roman and Jay just did so well. And I think if anything, all it did was elevate Jay even more. Yeah, I mean, Jay saying, oh, don't don't do it, Oose, you know, and you're thinking, yeah, don't do it. Come on, he's he's 
you know, not going to get back into this, but it, you you want to kind of, you know, stick with him and it's, you know, you go, oh, come on, you've got this. And then Roman was just kind of unrelenting. Um, it was just, like you said, a perfectly told story. If the, the opening match of the pay-per-view, the Intercontinental Total, was all about kind of spots and stuff, this was all about story and they played it perfectly. It was perfect. Five for the match. I'm going to give this a four and three quarters or 4.75 as it was uh what are your thoughts yeah i'm i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna give it like a really close five as well on that one because i i felt like you know wrestling wise they executed it brilliantly storyline wise they executed it brilliantly and i think the overall timing of it it didn't go too long and it didn't and, and it wasn't too short either so it's perfect um probably the best night of the match for me overall so that is your match of the night then yeah that's my match of the night sorry i said it the wrong uh, way around no, that's fine. No, no, because as I said, on the poll prediction, 74% for Owen Reigns. We went Reigns. Prediction-wise, Dub and I got six out of seven. Uh, but we, like I say, on the shows, we do a match of the night. We do a rating out of 10. And then we do like a kind of uh, man or a woman of the night. So if your match of the night is the main event, what was who was your man or who was your woman of the night? Okay, I think I'm, I'm going to go with... Um... Can, can I say Sasha as my woman of the night? Because I think that she was the MVP in coming out and just sort of solidifying that sort of storyline. And I really liked that. Um, so I'll, I'd go with Sasha. But in terms of if you want me to do actual wrestler for uh, a wrestler, um, Oscar would be my my pick for MVP. Uh, I think mine has got to be just oh, around Roman Reigns. So it's difficult because Reigns is, is booked as such anyway. But I think Zane yeah. just looked... Zayn looks so intelligent. And when you've got your two main hills on SmackDown and you've got the mm. one who's like the badass who's smashing everybody and then you've got the intelligent one who, you know, works his way through. And I thought it's it's a per- it was a perfect kind of way of doing it for both. That is very true. And I think that, um, as you said, Sammy's just standing out with this uh, sort of intellectual sort of way of going about things. And it was in a com- done in a complete different way to how Roman was is being perceived as a heel. So it's going to be really interesting to see what storylines are going to come from from both of these men now. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. Uh, right. So we've got uh, out of 10. Then I'll give my final thoughts first. It would like to say with it being bookend between two fantastic matches and a good ambulance match. I will definitely watch again, unlike some events this year. Uh, some events have all build and no payoff, and this was the opposite. Just a shame the tag team division is not right. And with the, the missing matches, I'm going to give it an eight and three quarters out of ten because I really did enjoy the show. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed the show as well. I think apart from the usual rematches that I felt like we didn't really need to have, um, the newer sort of matches that we were given were really fresh, um, entertaining to watch and just sort of had you consistently wanting to keep watching. So I'd give it a 7.5 altogether for myself. Perfect. No problems. And then um, champions, we did have a little bit of news afterwards about retribution and apparently they will not be seen for a couple of weeks now because they are in self-isolation. Uh, WWE are keeping shtum on the, the real details, but that's why they cancelled Raw Underground this week as well, because of the amount of maybe tests and they didn't want to kind of risk it with that. Um, as for Raw after Clash of Champions, I mean, what was your thought? I mean, we had the Vega Oscar rematch, didn't we? And then we had uh, McIntyre's Open Challenge. That really annoyed me, um, having that rematch. We didn't need it. <laughs> there was no need for it at all. Um, 
if anything, it, it really kind of just put Zelina Vega much, much further down the level in terms of whether or not she really should be considered an, an opponent that's ready yeah. for Oscar. Um, she got her ass handed to her twice, really. Um, so I didn't really think that this worked in Zelina's uh, favour at all. Um, so, yeah, I really didn't need it. <laughs> well, they're doing a couple of things on Raw at this moment in time where it's like that. It's like Keith Lee. Where they build him up and or they bring him up and they go, oh, here's the next start. And then they've got no plans for these people. And you're going, well, you bought Keith Lee now. What's he going to do? And yes, he beat Andrade. But Andrade's a guy I feel can challenge for top titles as well. And you've kind of got the mini squash. And you're like, you know. Yeah, I, I also thought that was a really silly move, to be honest, because you had um Andrade short. It was really weird the way that they sort of shot it but they had Andrade shortly after the rematch of Oscar and Zelina come out and start shouting at her and calling her and Angel Garza losers but then you had Keith Lee just come out and dominate (laughs) Andrade so what does that make him you know and I think Andrade like you said really should be considered for for title runs and um yeah they they definitely needed this draft and they need to change things up because um they just failed Andrade in this situation. Yeah. Well, they've, they've failed a lot of people as well. It's like the whole uh, Mysterio storyline with Seth Rollins. I, I mean, I'm not going to go into details about it because I think what Raw is doing, I, I just, I, it's, it's unneeded at this moment in time. You carried on a storyline uh, that should have finished at SummerSlam, and yeah. it's in poor taste as well. In, in, you know, in my eyes, anyway. I know that I know that a lot of people are kind of having a bit of a big deal about the fact of age and things like that. And and for me, is that's particularly not an issue. I mean, when you look at movies and film um, and things like that, you know, you've got many actresses out there that are very young. Um, they're, they're still going ahead. And, and, and Aaliyah has chosen to put herself in this sort of position as well. It's not exactly like they're asking her and Buddy to be kissing or anything like that. No, 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 However... No. I also don't feel like this storyline is needed. I really don't. Um, it should have been over ages ago, and this should be Buddy versus Seth now. I feel like we should be already be moving and transitioning onto Buddy getting more of a, a a serious feud behind him. You know, not being seen as as some some girl's lover. Well, I, not, I just think it's a service to Buddy. I completely agree, but my thing is, is on, you know, like you said with the the age things, great, but uh, you know, is is not my biggest problem. My biggest problem is why go back to a storyline that was shit in the first place. When you look at, yeah. you know, when you look at Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, I'm your pap, that was a horrible storyline, and it didn't work. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and I don't know why they brought it up. I mean, to be honest, I was one of those ones that tweeted saying, "What are you doing? Like bringing this sort of thing up again?" It's like no one needs that. And if anyone didn't even watch the Attitude Era back in the day, anyone who's anyone knows of that storyline. So we really didn't need any of that to come out. And there's nothing left that I can really think of there's nothing really left to do between either team now like you know Mysterio or Buddy and Seth um I feel like they've extinguished all potential storylines with them and that you know Dominic should be moving on to other storylines now and I feel like they really need to sort of kick the ball off with this uh Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy sort of feud I completely agree uh we had Alistair Black and Kevin Owens again what like Alistair Black in NXT was one of the coolest characters, the entrance, the kind of the, the the mythical thing about, you know, not an undertaker as such, but you kind of had that feeling and it's just been all stripped away on the main roster. Yes. A few to Kevin Owens is still good, 
but you've taken everything that was kind of interesting about him. And then you've got the inconsistency of the eye patch showing up, not showing up, showing up, not showing up. And I don't really think they've decided what to do with that yet. And Kevin Owens is another guy who I feel should be on top of the card. And he's kind of languishing at this moment because WWE are not sure what to do with him. Yeah, I'm really disappointed, um, to be honest, with uh, how they, they're not really sort of using any of this storyline well. Um, they, they, they've just had so many different potentials to do different things with Alistair Black. And he has he's he's a brilliant performer. Have seeing his continued battles with uh, Buddy Murphy were was one of the great. Uh, they they've been really great matches, and those are the rematches that I would never complain about. But they really lost the ball with him after. You know, they they had it so that he was sort of the one winning, and that's why Buddy Murphy ended up going as a disciple to Seth. You know, they pushed mm-hmm. him to that limit. Alistair Black pushed him to that limit. So why is why is he not being featured as or seen more in in a more bigger way? Because he was already that big. For, for us at that point, I just feel like they've just ended up sitting on him and they've lost their opportunity or lost their moment. Yeah, I completely agree. And then finally, Drew McIntyre's open challenge. I say finally, we had Randy Orton in night vision goggles because who <laughs> Orton in night vision goggles uh, coming and attacking the legends backstage. And then Drew McIntyre's open challenge. And it was, of course, uh, Bobby Roode or Robert Roode, as he's known, his first appearance since, I think, Elimination Chamber back in March. And again, everybody's glorious. Yes. And then just there we go. He's forgotten about it again. <laughs> it's job yeah. done. I mean, it was, I'm I kind of I want, I want to say I was 50 50 on this one because I did hear a few rumors about um, Robert Roode uh, returning and things like that. Um, but, but I think they ruined it having Dolph Ziggler come out i mean there was no need to have Dolph Sigler come out beforehand they ruined it ruined the aspect of just having his music hit and just it be him um and i also feel like if you were going to have him return and you wanted us as the audience to be taking him seriously um then maybe for his first return back not put him in an open challenge match with for the title because i don't think anyone truly believed he was going to be winning it no, and I think that's the problem when you look at the matches, even at Night of Champions and you know, stuff and Raw. When you look at who's actually going to win it, I don't think any time you think to yourself, "Oh, this is," like I said, no one thought Rob, uh, Rude was going to walk away with a title. Sometimes it mm. can be an interesting matchup, but sometimes you need that little bit of unpredictability uh, about yeah. the the product as well, you know. Yeah, and I think they, the WWE they they've got credible wrestlers that any that could make us think oh, is, are they going to lose the title here? But they're not doing enough booking with them to actually get that ha- to happen. I completely agree. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens from here now. Uh, but that is it for Clash of Champions and Raw that we have. Don't forget, we're across all social media, Twitter, at the WNR Podcast. And this is your chance to now plug all your social media if you want. <laughs> Yep, um, please do follow me if you can. I'm at Jaxie Scarlett. And um, if you want to find out more about uh, my podcast team, um, they're at O Face Wrestling. And we're a cool bunch to come and check out too. Yeah, definitely check out their stuff. It is worthwhile. Of course, we are the WNR on here on Facebook and Instagram. Across all the Google platforms, send us an email. The WNR podcast at gmail.com. YouTube, 
when all the latest clips and podcasts go at the same time on YouTube, as you do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Stitcher, down and subscribe, rate and review there. But that is it. Our next episode will be NXT TakeOver 31. But that is it for today. I just want to say thank you very much for joining me on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. And Yes, I did. And thank you very much for having me on the show. I've really enjoyed it. No problems. And maybe even... Uh, if you fancy at some point, maybe Survivor Series uh, in November. We don't know. I definitely would love to be um, looking to give my opinion on that for sure. So hopefully we'll be able to get together again soon. No problems. That is it then. Thanks for listening, Billy, and bye. Bye. <laughs>